Ash Olaf. Hi guys, welcome back to the symposium. Today I'm really happy um, to be joined by my friend Josh. We're just here to have a chat, talk about music taste, progression in music taste, uh, maybe give each other some recommendations and overall, yeah, just have an engaging conversation that uh, in kind of long format that I hope um, you guys will enjoy and I hope that we can make a kind of more frequent thing on, on the symposium. Um, so yeah, Josh, welcome. How are you? How's yeah. lockdown? Thank you for having me, Ashwin. Um, well, I'm not too bad at all, not too shabby. Um, lockdown um, has been all right for me, um, as I hope it's been for you as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I've listened to a lot of new music in lockdown the last five or six months or so, or however long it's been. Um, so there's a lot of stuff we can talk about today and unpack, I hope. So, yeah, it's it's good. I'm good. We're all good. <laughs> no, no, it's good. Um yeah, I mean, I guess the the first question would be then, um, as we start, is kind of what music do you generally listen to? What kind of stuff um, has that kind of changed in the last few years? And and just yeah, talk to me about some of your favourite artists. So so what kind of stuff did you listen to maybe five six years ago? What was that? What was that kind of stuff? Well, quite interestingly, uh, my taste was nowhere near as expansive and eclectic um, before uni as it got when I went to uni. Right. So um, while while you're at school, you were listening to more on a kind of narrow. Yeah, I would definitely say that's the case. Um, I would. I haven't spoken to a lot of friends, and and like we've discussed about what we listened to growing up. I can definitely see uh, a trend in what my friends are listening to in terms of they the thing the music they grew up with was definitely linked to what their parents were listening to when they yeah. were younger. Um, so a lot of the music they grew up with, I I never grew up with. So like you know very iconic yeah. 80s bands like the cure and stuff i i was not accustomed to till very later on yeah uh, so yeah i guess for me like i i did have that in that my my dad listened to a lot of music in the car yeah. so for me i got all those 80s bands i got a lot of beatles um yeah. Britpop, all that stuff was in the car so i got that um i guess that's what you're saying no definitely definitely so and um um from my parents both of them like they they didn't have that broader music taste they just listened to what was really on the radio at the time yeah and so like when we used to buy our own albums and stuff like that I mean when my mum used to buy the albums for us to listen to <laughs> on our little road trips to London to see the grandparents there were always quite mainstream pop artist albums we would listen to so like you know like literally from anything from a Rihanna to um I don't know like to a Chris Brown or whatever so mainstream sort of like pop R&B music which was on you know Capital Radio at the time and stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was so I really the I mean, music that, I some of that stuff's with, very good you know some of yeah that no stuff some good. of that stuff is very good and I think um I think some people actually overlook it because they're like oh it's just so popular mm. um so um we want something more niche but like a lot of that music was really good and I guess it did shape my I wouldn't say it was a narrow music perspective, but my perspective def definitely was much more general, much more sort of generic um, yeah. growing up. Um, comparably, um, when I started to get, um, into, when I was 16, 17, um, I started to get much more into um, sort of indie music, but I didn't have uh, a streaming service like a Spotify account. Oh, right, okay. And so for me, it was quite interesting because I would find out certain songs via YouTube and so I could never listen to whole projects. <laughs> oh, right. OK. So yeah. I was one of those. Um, I remember when I was 11 years old, for instance, I I used to like I don't know if you used to do this, but I used to sh um, share and exchange songs via Bluetooth with my friends on the train. Yeah. So um, when Love the Way You Lie came out, I remember exchanging that with uh, my friend Richard Chapman. Uh, 
and feeling so happy that I didn't have to record it on the radio to listen to on playback all the time. That just make, um, that makes us sound so old as well. <laughs> it really does. Um, my Samsung Taco didn't have the best audible power, but um, yeah. but yeah. And then like I, like I was just saying, um, um, and as I got progressively older in 15, 16, 17, um, got more, much more into indie sort of rock music. But then again, I, I guess much your sort of contemporary big names like your Arctic Monkeys and mm. et cetera, et cetera. I remember you and I were both fans. Of, I remember talking about that to you uh, a few years yeah. ago, too. Yeah, uh, about the Arctic Monkeys. And like they were like the band for our time growing up. Like I think everyone sort of listened to them. If you weren't listening to your, your yeah, yeah, yeah. radio, you were listening to a to a Arctic Monkeys or a Wombats or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. Or Big Bicycle Club, you know. But no, definitely so. And yeah, so for a long while, I was like into Nirvana and into Arctic yeah. Monkeys and all this and that growing up, as I guess the majority of 16 year olds were at my age. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah, you were definitely the same. Like what what, what sort of taste were you listening to around that time? Yeah, as well? so I remember like discussing with you, remember AM came out and you and I were really hyped about it. Yeah. Like that was just the time, you know, the Wombats, obviously, um, Bombay Bicycle Club. Those kind of kind of indie pop. Um, I was I, I liked all that stuff. I mean, by that time, I'd already though developed some taste in hip hop, um, which I yeah. guess came for you maybe later. Um, but but that by then I was always already a massive Kanye Kendrick fan, um, and I listened to you know Good Kid, Mad City. I remember Yeezus when that came out. That was and that was quite young actually at that time. Yeah, uh, what age were you when you when you I started? Think it was 14? 14, 15 when really? Jesus came. I think Jesus came out when I was 14. Yeah. Was it 2013 or something? It did. It did. Yeah, uh, so I was like 14. I think. I might yeah. Uh, I, I was just like, I had never heard anything like this in my life. And I was just really, really liked it. Um, I guess the same kind of apply. Then I, I guess I got more into hip hop as I got older and I started to get to sick form. You know, um, I graduated, I guess, out of the kind of indie pop I'd be listening to. Um, but then what about for you then? So you were at, so let's say, I don't know, we're looking at like 2015, Josh Sagu. He listens to Arctic Monkeys, Wombats. And then, so where do you go from there? And what other stuff were you actually listening to at that time? Well, at that time also, I was listening to a blend of other genres. Like you were saying with Kanye, I think uh, a lot of Kanye's material at the time, people could arguably say is his most notorious. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, like, you know, like I had the odd song on my uh, on my iPod, like a Blood on the Leaves or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, brilliant or, song. Or a Holy Grail with, you Hold know. Hold My Liquor, New Slaves. Justin Timberlake. Um, like I'd have the odd tracks here and there dotted about on my playlist but because I didn't have like um, I wasn't didn't have an account like Spotify account or Apple Music account well I mean iTunes account at the time really I was just listening to tracks and I wasn't listening to whole projects and really getting a gist of like you know the overall sort of like theme of what this how, how this one track be, like belongs to a certain sort of you know to, to a project as a whole um, which it only got until when I came to university, when I did like um, get myself a streaming account, it was initially Apple Music, and then we moved to Spotify. Um, no regrets. Sorry, everyone. No, 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 no uh, it's good. I agree. Uh, but yeah, so I my taste completely just went. It just exploded when I went to university. Um, I came because you were exposed to like other people, other tastes, and they got you into other music. Or was it just your own personal journey? I I think it was definitely both. Um, I think people genuinely had a massive impact because by the time I'd got to university before that right before that I'd been getting into a lot of 80s music and a lot of a lot of Durham <laughs> clubs if you've ever been to a Durham club don't know if you have but they play your 80s tunes like your common Eileen's and stuff like that yeah. and, and so like pre-uni I was just on that sort of like vibe of like 
okay, I'm not going to listen to pop music right now, and um, but I'll listen to pop music of the 80s and the 90s. Like, um, but then I came to university, and yeah, I met a lot of different sort of people with a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different tastes in music, and my whole like perspective of things completely changed like I never really listened to whole albums all the way through and I would find myself day after day listening to a new album here and there and everywhere and um the genres I was listening to were so other and completely out of the water from what I would normally have listened to prior Mm -hmm. to university um we're talking a massive blend of like you know really getting into hip-hop music and really getting into like you know uh, much more sort of conventional 70s 60s indie rock music and um but also um appreciating other genres as well like mm-hmm. lesser known genres like well lesser lesser prominent genres probably for people our age like uh, like mm-hmm. folk genres and and uh, the folk genre and things like that but um mm-hmm. um what i really had a knack for um but midway through first year of university was really the hip-hop genre and um I got so entrenched so engrossed in that genre um that I went through every sort of single age of the hip-hop like era okay Uh, so 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 like can I ask so what what was it about hip-hop that really stood out to you what was it was it something new was it just different was it were you vibing with the lyrics with the beats yeah like what was it about hip-hop that really stood out to you in like 20 when you started uni I think it's definitely my perspective of hip hop has definitely evolved over time when right. I've listened to more and more tracks and different artists. So initially, what uh, drew me to hip hop was the lyricism. Mm. Um, lyrically, I was I'd never really take I'd never really taken into account how incredible the lyricism could be for certain hip hop songs and like certain yeah. hip hop artists, and particularly like. I mean, I think if you're going to get straight into the hip hop genre, you'll be listening to the most popular artists. And at that time, obviously, Kanye West and people like that were the first people I really started listening to. And then mm-hmm. um, you start going through their projects and the beats are also good. But um, when I progressively got more and more into the hip hop, um, into the hip hop era, I started listening to a lot more older sort of hip hop. So mm-hmm. uh, golden age hip hop and new the new sort of new age sort of hip hop of the 80s and um, obviously gangster rap as well, the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, the bling era of hip hop in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've got the sort of braggadocio, sort of Kanye, Jay Z sort of rap, which which also lit 2000s, yeah, yeah. Kid Cudi as well. I mean, yeah. like, so you like the 90s stuff, 80s like Run DMC, all yeah. that kind of gangster rap, and then you got like more NWA, West Coast stuff, and then I assume you're. Wait, did you like East Coast rap, West Coast? Because I, I personally yeah. in the 90s prefer the East Coast stuff with Nas and the Wu Tang Clan rather than um, Tupac or, or NWA, but. Yeah, I think I would, I mean, say I'm wrong here because it's just an opinion, but no, no, no. I definitely feel like um, there was more of a braggadocio side to West Coast rap, which mm. I could not um, I'd relate to as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, more, no, I think that, yeah. Also than the deep poetry and the much more serious tone sometimes and the storytelling nature of mm. East Coast rap, yeah. uh, particularly with Nas, etc. Ghostface uh, Killer on his Iron Man album, for yeah. example. Um so no, they like I mean Ghostface and Rizzo, Jezza, they're all members of um, yeah. the Wu Tang Clan. So I listened to Thirty Six Chambers recently, which was the the end of the Wu Tang album. Is That's this, a really good album. Is this is this lately you've just listened to this the first time or? Well, yeah, so I, I listened. I've listened to more '90s stuff. I listened to Illmatic ages ago. I'd listened yeah. to like Nas a lot, but but 
but I'm listening now with one of my mates. We're going through all the Wu Tang albums. Yeah. So I listened to Thirty Six Chambers for the first time quite recently, actually, and I, I really enjoyed it. That was good. Isn't that an amazing project? Yeah. Uh, it's so significant as well. Um, but like certain songs in there, like Cream and 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 whatnot, and like so, like break the break the motherfucking ruckus wherever. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's so that's the that. intro. That's the intro yeah. song. Yeah. But yeah, like yeah. it's so iconic, and the boom bap sort of like era. That's exactly that it. Yeah. Uh, but um, it is quite it's, it's brilliant as well because um, every artist in, in the Wu Tang Clan in that project particularly stands out with their own sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. individual yeah. way of performing. Yeah, um, yeah. So I you, mean, I like your Method Man, Jizza, Rizza. You can tell them all apart if you start listening. Yeah, literally. To stuff. So like the rough husky voice of one rapper, comparably to the <laughs> really neatly like knitted yeah. poetry of another rapper, and then the really sort of brash way of rapping from another one like it just collided and it's just the, the sounds all coming together really just worked nicely mm. uh, to create a really like individual and unique sound for that time so uh, so, so so to like get back to like your journey so you yeah. started going through going through the rap kind of histories you went through the east coast west coast divides of the 80s and 90s gangster rap boom bap I assume you listen to some MF Doom as you get to the 2000s, yeah, yeah. and 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 then you have the braggadocious rap of Kanye, Jay Z, and then more recent maybe conscious stuff that links to some of the earlier stuff you've done. Um, so so yeah, what, what kind of artists from that journey stood out to you, and what was it? What did you really take from that journey? Is and did you did you take something about the evolution? Did you was it more, what was interesting to you that you took from that? I think the evolution of rap was the most significant thing for me, um, right? Because when I started off listening with hip hop. Um, I would listen to a 90s rap album and then I would listen to a 2006 rap album and then I'd yeah, go okay. to a 1987 rap album, <laughs> yeah. you know, and like it was just dotting about all these eras and mm. I wasn't really getting consistency or cohesiveness of what I was listening to. But mm. at the same time, like every album I was listening to, hip hop album I was listening to was so vastly different to the last one I was listening to yeah. uh, because I was just dotting about the eras. Um, but then when I started just getting more and more immersed and listening to loads and loads and loads of albums of of the same era um you really get you really are able to distinguish the real difference in tone um in lyricism and beats between the eras um so for me personally when i initially got into the hip-hop um genre like properly in my first year of university Mm. i was listening to a lot more of like current rap music so with kanye etc um and then when we started listening to kendrick religiously um, yeah, no, everyone goes, yeah, that, you know, everyone had that phase. I mean, yeah. that's what I kind of like about Kendrick in the sense that, to move Butterfly specifically, um, he uses a lot of kind of 80s or 70s even funk sounds. Yeah. So then you're talking about the evolution of sound. So then it's nice how, to look at how Kendrick kind of uses older sounds, but with more modern twist with the way he raps. So I think that was definitely yeah. what I took from it. I think the selling point for Kendrick as well is, and why people say he's the goat of this, of this era yeah. of rap is because he's able to blend um the poetry of 90s rap with the beats of a, of a modern day rap of, yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. So well that yeah they both work equally and yeah. but on top of that um like well underpinning that he's able to blend genres so effectively like yeah. you, there is an argument to, to to be held that he like to then butterfly almost revived jazz into the modern day mm. um music game um like to be to, to butterfly i've never heard anything like that since to, like particularly no, um no. i mean d'angelo as well with his album yeah and his jazz albums are yeah, yeah. pretty prominent as well but kendrick was the one which stood up for me initially uh, yeah i mean talking about jazz i mean um I, I assume you know like madlib the rap producer 
Yeah. So so he um did some good work with Freddie Gibbs. Two albums yeah. I really like with Pinata and Bandana by Freddie Gibbs and Madlib. There's so a, Madlib, another one coming out soon at some point, I think. Yeah, it, 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 it's a uh, Montana, I think it's called. That's it's it. the final one in the theory in the in in the trilogy. Um, and then, but I think um I'm sure um Madlib introduced his own jazz album actually called Kind of Blue, right. based off Miles Davis's really good jazz album. And um he basically did his own did his own own um kind of attempt to kind of revitalize that in his own sound i didn't think it was that i didn't think it was that impressive but i guess the gesture i'm trying to say is that i really like how rap in, in terms of its production is quite grandiose it uses a lot of brass um people often listen to rap just for the beats not even the lyricism and i guess that you know when you have that kind of level of production that that really distinguishes a really good rap album from a more average one um but yeah i mean i mean um what did you take from kind of rap production and what have you noticed from your from your listening about how, about you know different different kind of standards and, and and you know what really makes a good rap album for you um i think that's a really difficult question to answer but just because of how broad yeah. the rap game is um yeah. it's it's long like it's long history but um if we talk about production wise um oh there's so many different sorts of production um which i really am attracted to i mean madlib obviously is, is incredible um and particularly his work obviously on mad villainy with mf doom is just <laughs> so good but um have you listened much to uh, an artist called jay diller a bit but not as much as you i'd say yeah because uh, i remember mentioning to you a few weeks ago actually yeah uh, but jay diller is probably the one which stands out for me the most when you talk about hip-hop producers and up there and you know some of the greatest producers ever yeah. uh, uh so jay diller um his his project donuts really stuck with me in second year when my friend Ollie, um, he introduced me to Jay Dilla. I'd never heard of him before, and he, mm. he actually told me to watch this video on him. Um, and I sort of watched the video; it's about a ten-minute-long video. I'll, I'll show it to you afterwards. I think you'll really like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but it sort of just just tells you why Jay Dilla's production is so unique and so significant. Mm. Um, so he, with the MPC three thousand, which is what he used to sort of produce his beats on, um, most producers um, have this technique called quantizing. Um, right. So quantizing is when you sort of like, um, well, you just so if a beat's like if something's off beat when you're like making the beats, um, you can like align all the beats together. So it's, it sounds much more smooth and much more slick. Um, but if you don't quantize, which a lot of people like refrain from doing, mm-hmm. um, you have a much more like much more of a rawness to the beat. And so yeah. is it more kind of 90s style, like more kind of 90s gritty style? Is it? Yeah. Any- much more gritty not everything's in time and it's just yeah. sounds a lot more sort of like genuine yeah you know? um and that's what really makes jay diller's music so significant um i think and if you listen to donuts that in my eyes is a masterpiece mm-hmm. um certain songs and the way he chops up he chops up samples and certain songs in that album is incredible mm-hmm. one song which particularly stands out is probably one of his most notable songs is a song called don't cry uh yeah. Um, which he in which he samples uh, a song by the Escorts. Um, I can't stand to see you cry. Uh, that's, yeah. that's what it's called. Yeah. And um, he chops up that song in such a unique way, where the first like 15, 20 seconds of that song, it's just playing the Escort song how it sounds normally, mm-hmm. and then he just chops it up so so much, like uh, a third of the way through the song, that he creates his own song completely by like mm. like i don't know like piecing pe- like um cutting up all that song and then mm. repeating it in a different way so it's a completely new jigsaw puzzle he's, he's made in that song okay so it's just kind of like a yeah i mean that's what i also really like and i've listened to sean price monkey bars so sean price yeah. he's 
and that's like a kind of more gritty album than you'd often hear in kind of pop rap circles right um the one thing i really like about rap if we're talking about rap in detail is that um there's a massive variety to it so like people always think it's kind of one monolithic thing hip-hop yeah. but you you can have like more avant-garde bon iver type kanye hip-hop versus versus you know far more gritty earlier stuff or sean price stuff and it's almost completely two different genres mm-hmm. and it's often grouped together i think unfairly so one thing i really like about hip-hop is the diversity of it i think that, that's that's something that's that's um i always found the more i listen to it um but yeah i mean for someone who hasn't heard a lot of jay diller stuff um could you explain to like listeners about how that sounds different to maybe more conventional sounds that a kanye or madlib would produce i i think it's I think it's the grittiness of his beats, to be right. honest with you. I think that's what stands out with Jay Diller's production, mm-hmm. is that when you're listening to a Jay Diller song, you know it's by Jay Diller, uh, just by how raw the beats are. Kind of like MF Doom in that way. Yeah, they're not particularly syncopated as well. They're just very like, um, I'm trying to think of a song, um, Running by The Far Side. Have you mm-hmm. have you heard that song? It's no. Quite, it's quite, yeah, it's quite a popular song. Right. Uh, but um, if, yeah, check out that song then, Run In by The Far Side. Jay Dillon produced that. You can hear the beats in the background and how they're not all in sync. Uh, right. And that's the product of him uh, refusing to quantize his beats, which gives does that... Does he say that's like more, more like genuine and raw? Is that, is, is that his reasoning for it? Well, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I thing is with Jay Dillon, I don't know. I don't think there is much like of... He hasn't really spoken much about his stuff and his material because he died so young. Like he yeah. died... I think he died um, in his... Like, early 30s i think he's like 32 i might yeah. be wrong i think it's 32 he died of lupus yeah. i think okay um, and yeah so this this in 2006 and so the sad thing about diller is is that he's one of those greats who died too young and if you see interviews with kanye he always talks about diller and how like revolutionary his production was for the rap yeah. game uh yeah. uh but like a lot of most rappers hold him in the highest esteem and place him in a god tier of mm. of um of hip-hop producers you know with your mad label or your alchemist or whatever yeah um but um but no yeah jay diller definitely would say check out that album and the samples he uses are so great and he actually has a project with mad lib as well uh, really what's it called i'll definitely get on that great i can i'll check it out now actually it's called yeah. um is it called i think it's called jlib that makes sense yes. if it is it's it's called no it's called champion sound by jlib so right, like, yeah. So J would be Mad Lib and J Dilla. Yeah. Just uh, like, just like, um, it's kind of Mad Villainy is uh, MF Doom and, and Mad Lib. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, yeah. Um, like these two massive hip hop producers making a project together. Um, it's a, it's a really good project as well. But um, mm. if you haven't listened to much J Dilla, I would say first listen to his own project, um, Donuts. Um, um, it's, it's crazy because when, when I have done a bit of research from Dilla on youtube and just been looking at videos of him mm-hmm. uh you like for instance one of his last songs last donut of the night um he made some of these tracks when he was at the cusp of his death oh and, like, wow okay the night literally sounds like he's transcending into mm. the next world uh oh, wow, okay which is it, it's really really profound it sounds it, profound yeah sounds sounds so good like tell me actually when you do listen to it what you think of the pro- no of i will and um, we can maybe talk about it on the next on the next episode but, yeah definitely so like um, uh, I was thinking then, so so that's like one example of some kind of, of um, so that going back to your journey, that's one kind of example of, of an of area of music that you discovered when you came to uni, hip hop, yeah. and you went delved really deeply into it. You got really um, into it and, and you know, you, you've, um, you're very grateful for that because you really enjoyed it. Um, so what other stuff have you started to listen to then at uni that you didn't listen to before? So you said your taste got a lot wider. So yeah, there's a lot because... more hip hop. Um, what other stuff too? 
Yeah, they got a lot more broad, actually, uh, particularly in the last year. Um, uh, lockdown, I can, I think it's safe to say I've listened to almost nil of hip hop. Right. Uh, okay. Really. The last five odd, five six months or whatever, I've not really listened to much hip hop at all in the slightest, apart from the odd track when Kanye released like "Wash It in the Blood" the other day and right, yeah. <laughs> the other week. Um, but um, or ego death. You know. Yeah, literally yeah. so. Um, but yeah, like I've been getting a lot more into post punk sort of music recently. Oh, right. Okay. Which is really interesting. So for, the un- for the uninitiated, what is that, and what are the what are the kind of stuff you've been listening to? Well, I mean, I think. The first band, which I would say w- was most prominent in pioneering the sound, the post-punk sound, was Joy Division. Um, well, they're obviously with their 1979 album, Unknown Pleasures, and then Closer the next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, yeah, so what I was saying on earlier on, um, where I wasn't brought up with the sort of music uh, other people were p- probably were brought up with because their parents listened to that sort of music in, in their time. I, I, I was not accustomed to listening to bands like The Smiths, or The Cure, or or any of these bands, or Joy Division, or anything like this. And I was so, like, entrenched in hip-hop that I I reckon I sort of developed a sort of snobbery for the genre, mm. and sort of, like, in that sort of snobbish mode, refused to listen to music from other genres, because I was so dead certain that hip-hop was the key, mm. and, like, was the future of music. Um, but in doing so, when I got into quarantine and I started to make my music taste a lot more eclectic, I started to realise like what I've been missing out on. Yeah. So many amazing genres. And the post-punk really got to me. And I think definitely I feel like it was situational why I sort of um, found some like relatability to post-punk music. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm like a massive, massive fan of that kind of um, older indie pop sound like uh, with the Smith Secure, like... Um, the Smith album, uh, the self-titled album is really good. The Queen is Dead obviously is a masterpiece. Hatful yeah. of Hollow has yeah. my favourite song, which is How Soon Is Now. Um, so like, I, I, I'm a really big fan of that kind of sound. Um, so that's very different from rap, right? So what was it about that sound that really attracted, to, attracted you after you've been listening to hip hop for so long? Well, it's a completely different sound. So like, I, I feel like, like in certain songs, like the guitar riffs and... Mm. and the way the voice modulation for like from certain artists like I don't know Ian Curtis and Joy Division the way he sings it just co- gives a complete different perspective of how you can produce a song and mm-hmm. um like Ian Curtis for instance I'm obsessed with him lead singer of Joy Division passed away at 23 um like his 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 voice is so depressing and so gaunt yeah and I feel like with certain artists like particularly in quarantine I developed not just an affiliation and uh, and love for their music but i developed a love for the artists themselves mm. when i did my background research on them you you get more and more entrenched in their music because you know their history you know what yeah. they're like you know yeah. um i definitely feel like in quarantine and i probably can speak for a lot of other people i definitely felt like i was getting more and more attracted to more depressing music yeah um, i mean they're, they're all in classic indie sad boy bands aren't they smith's joy division um the cure um i mean they um they're all kind of iconic for that reason, but the Smiths, they're melancholy, but I think some of the songs like, you know, frankly, Mr. Shankly, et cetera, can be joyful as well. Um, and obviously, you know, I, say, I think some of their best music op- op- operates a kind of middle ground. So like the song, um, there is a light that will never go out. That could be happy or sad, you know, it's just classic. I think, I think it's uh, some parts of the Smiths, I think are quite profound in that way. I completely agree with you, mate. I think, um, particularly with the Smiths, actually, the way Morrissey's able to combine wit with 
complete glue yeah. topics. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's quite, um, it's quite, yeah, it's quite impressive. It's 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 best seen in The Queen Is Dead, but I love my favorite project of The Smiths is Meat's Murder. Personally. Okay. Um, Meat Is Murder for me. The certain songs on there I just love. Um, but probably because I feel like it's at its most depressing at times. And if you're not, yeah, I mean, it gets quite low at that point. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a bit of Frank Ocean, like you know, it'd be dangerous, a bit dangerous if you're not in the right mood. Pretty so, <laughs> so. Um, but um, I think yeah, when you're not in the right mood, and for me, I think some people might have a compulsion to listen to more upbeat music to get them out of feeling kind of low. But for me, yeah. I I think I've had a tendency to sway towards dwelling in sad music because of the relatability aspects with it. Um. And yeah, so like not only with like, you know, your, your traditional classic like post-punk bands like like Joy Division, um, there have been a lot more modern ones I've been really into as well, like um, Idols and um, I don't know if you listen to Idols or Fontaine's DC mm. released an album today, A Hero's mm. Death, which I think is really, really good. Um, and other other artists such as Shane, um, uh, Walkman, um so you've listened to a lot of that kind of 70s, 80s, 90s classic indie. Did you get there any kind of more modern stuff like Little Comets, The Courtenayers, um, Catfish and the Bottle Men, The Kooks, Arctic Monkeys you said you liked. So did you ever get into that more modern British indie? Or Yeah, yeah. Like, like I was saying, um, with these these bands at the moment who are really on the up and coming, like Idols and, um, and Fontaine's DC, they definitely fit that mould of like artists you, you, mm. you just mentioned, like... Uh, Fontaine's DC are an Irish post-punk, I would say, group yeah. uh, um, who are really on the up and coming right now with their second project, which just got released today. And uh, the way, the best way I can describe them is they sound like Joy Division on Coke with Irish accents. Okay, um, wow, okay. And But then, like, I, having listened to this second project today, like, the lead singer's voice, the frontman's voice, he sounds, he sometimes sounds like the lead singer of The Verb or, like, or oh, wow, that's high praise. Gallagher at times. It's... I mean, the verb, I mean, I think that, I personally think that Bittersweet Symphony is one of the best um, Britpop albums ever. Um, I think, so, sorry, I mean, it's it, Bittersweet Symphony is a song in it, but I think the album's called Urban Hymns. Yes. I think that's that's the one of the best Britpop albums I've heard. I mean, either that or, or Pulp, A Different Class. I think that's a brilliant like album. Pulp? Yeah. I like that kind of Britpop sound. I think I think Urban Hymns is a, is a brilliant kind of swan song of the era, yeah. but but different class definitely maybe by oasis i think those are the kind of pinnacle pinnacles of the of the kind of sound there um can but, i ask a question yeah yeah um how how like central is list like watching documentaries or watching films to developing your music taste do you me? yeah like um media and you know films and gen- filmography not that much actually because honestly most of the film the film music i like is not really popular music it's often um classical or it's often like strong cinematic scores like some Ennio Morricone kind of um kind of westerns which are like not really stuff you'd listen to in an album context I think exceptions include films like The Big Lebowski, Pulp Fiction where obviously they use a lot of popular music you know iconic songs um which maybe you can say oh that's a really good playlist you could put together right but I mean often for me it's just genuinely just by looking up like looking up lists online is more what I do so oh, like really? yeah so i've done like stuff like so what are like some iconic indie albums what are some most iconic albums of all time and i try and listen to that so i i was done really i was looking listening the other day to a lot of psychedelic rock stuff with pink floyd and mark knopfler um with oh, dire straits pink floyd yeah. have, you, 
do you have a favorite project of theirs probably wish you were here yes i'm so yeah. glad you said that yeah <laughs> I mean, we get to pick void in a second but what i was saying was um i was going through a psychedelic rock, rock psychedelic rock day i looked up a list and i found the al- um, album um in the court of the crimson king by king crimson yeah which is which kanye has sampled actually um and it is brilliant it's a guitarist guitar album like a kind of hendrix album but it's very psychedelic like some like hendrix's album axis bold of love bold as love it's yeah. kind of like that right but it's i i thought it was even better I, and that's high praise for me because i love Jimi hendrix's stuff um so yeah that's kind of how i discover stuff but yeah on pink floyd it's wish you were here because I think the quality is just outstanding. Mm. Shine On's brilliant. Um, I think it's not too long. Hold Do you know what um, about? Sorry? Do you know what song's about? Shine On Your Crazy Diamond? No, what is it? Go well, on. like, Shine On Your Crazy Diamond, S-Y-D. So it's oh, Sid what, Barrett. Yeah, it's about Sid. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah I mean, I mean um, that's, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of why the album's so powerful, isn't it? It's just the kind of sadness of, of Sid. I mean, I really like the album Animals by them as well. I think that's underrated. Animals I think the song Dogs is really good. Yeah. Um, I love the cover. Um, of Animals is actually, I think it is an underrated album. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, and Animals are probably, they probably are my top three projects of theirs. Mm. Um, the Wall is good as well. But like, I don't know. I don't think it's, I do think there's, I do think it's a bit overhyped the album is. Personally. I mean, yeah, I think I think it's not as strong as the others, but I think it's still a very good album. It shows how good their their kind of discography is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I went that's like a little rock phase, and so so I, I find I find stuff on lists online. Um, what about you? So then, where do you find yours? So do you so do you watch films to find music and stuff? I don't watch films with the intention of finding music, but I've sometimes found that I've been listening to artists, which they became notable from being in movies I'd seen, which I hadn't realised they right. were in. But like, okay. Um, Goodwill Hunting is a prime example. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Goodwill Hunting? It is Goodwill Hunting, isn't it? I think uh, so. I'm thinking of. Um, uh, but if it, yeah, it is Goodwill Hunting, I think. But yeah, so like Elliot Smith. Have you have you listened to much Elliot Smith music? No. So so go on to talk uh, about him. Well, Elliot Smith. Um, he's how would I describe him? He's, he's almost like a a, a a toned down version of Kurt Cobain. Um, a bit more quieter sound, but still has that sort of grunge raw sound to his voice. Yeah. And anything by Elliot Smith, I just love. Like, I just love so much. Um, but I didn't realise um, he became quite notable because of, I think three, of, three or four of his tracks were included in um, in Good Will Hunting. Yeah. Um, they were also. I mean, it's a good film. It's a good film. I mean, I think it's a good yeah. film. Yeah. It's good. Cool. Let me check for sure because I don't want to just say it's Good Will yeah, Hunting. Yeah, yeah. But. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, talking about kind of psychedelic stuff in, the, yeah, in that is. way, um, I, I really like the I write, I really, I listen to for the music podcast actually. I listen to this Mortal Coil, um, one of Love their Mortal Coil. Yeah, and and I and I listen to one of their albums, right? For for the music podcast that we do on this channel actually, um, and I listen to the album It'll End in Tears, and yes, that's, that's a good fun. album, and that gave me strong Sid Barrett heroin vibes. Strong I love, Sid I love Barrett heroin. Second track on that album. Mm. Uh, What's the second track called? Oh, the second track's called, second track's called "Song to the Siren." That's it. It's a right. cover. It is right. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I, that's I kind of already got down to that psychedelic. So kind of carrying on then. So so far we've established that you went from a kind of classic indie pop yeah. to more hip hop stuff more recently, and then that evolved into kind of more broadly, and you listen to a lot of, of a lot of punk um, in in kind of lockdown. So out of those. Would you, if you had to take one or leave one between hip hop and kind of post punk, what would you choose? 
I couldn't do that because I feel like the genre and what I get out of that genre is definitely circumstantial. Right. Um, yeah, like definitely. So I think right now, I think where I am with my mood and how I'm feeling, I'm definitely much more drawn to post-punk music right now. And, um, I also feel like probably going off on a bit of a tangent, but I, don't, I feel like we've already done that already with a lot of the questions we've asked. Um, this uh, is what it's but, for. Come on. Yeah. So like, I feel like when I listen, when I get into a genre, I feel like my fashion taste changes a bit with the way I dress. <laughs> right. Okay. Like, um, but it's really weird. So when I was really into hip hop, I almost dressed like I listened to indie music. Okay. Really weird, but right. So what does that entail I'm, in terms of clothes? Yeah, but now I'm into post-punk music. I listen, I, I sort of like wear stuff like I'm a massive hip-hop fan right now. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got like a chain on, a hat. Yeah. So, okay, uh, so like, so you're kind of listening to the last genre you were listening. So you dress like the last genre. So now you go to your next genre, you're dressed like a lot of post-punk fans, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess That's so. That's what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. But um, what I do love, I think particularly now more than ever in the last decade or so, like, is this sort of like inter inter interdisciplinary nature? I can't even say it of um, fashion and 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 different genres of music blending right. together. Like yeah. you see, the biggest names in fashion at the moment, they're not actually fashion designers. Like who, they started off as fashion designers. They started off as music producers and mm-hmm. and and music artists. Like you know, your big names in the world right now, like your Heron Prestons, your um, uh, Virgil Abloh's, your you know your Yeezys, your Tyler the Creator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and love then, Tyler. I mean, I, I think where this flower blooms, brilliant. I mean, a flower boy, brilliant, brilliant um, album. I think Eagle was was one of the best albums of last year, along with Lana Del Rey's album. I think both oh, of those oh, brilliant. Don't even get me started with Lana Del Rey. Uh, <laughs> for me, she's like Norman fucking one day on Patty Smith a bit. Okay, that's high praise. Um, in her own right, though, um, I think yeah, in her own right, I would say I think she's carrying on. Um, like as the as the new face of the next generation of incredible female musicians, I think. I yeah. think uh normal 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 fucking Rockwell was her magnum opus as of as of yet so far, I think. I think it's uh, much better than her previous work. I think she shows a lot more maturity and she doesn't really rely too much on the kind of overused kind of Americana stereotypes and stuff. Um so I, I liked it. And I, I what I do like about Norman Rockwell is that the structures of the songs are much more unconventional as yeah. well. Um, comparably to her earlier works where they were like they were definitely sort of like tailored to be very surface level i like this song because it sounds yeah. very easy to listen to and bop your head to whereas in normal rock quality it definitely sounds like she's been a lot more audacious with the way mm-hmm. she's made her tracks and um yeah and her voice is so it's so great i think she used to get a lot of stick a decade ago for people used to say to her like oh she can't really sing and she yeah, had just like fragile and frail and it doesn't yeah, sound yeah. Like but then again like without Lana Del Rey arguably there wouldn't be a Billie Eilish I'd say yeah yeah, yeah no, I think I think that's fair I mean Billie Eilish I, I like some of her stuff I mean so talking about how you like swap between genres like for me yeah. one thing that I so I was listening to some kind of old old kind of soul stuff like Gladys Knight and the Pips etc yeah. like proper stuff and then that got me into Miseducation of Lauren Hill oh, which brilliant. in turn got me into the Wu-Tang Clan because obviously she's sampled by them or she, you know, they, they, they sample the same Gladys Knight stuff. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I think that that's really nice in that, that you can like completely jump between very different genres just because of small tenuous connections. Mm. And that's what I find, I guess that might be relevant to you as well, considering how broad your music taste has gotten. Um, 
so yeah i mean what kind of stuff are you starting to listen to now are you starting to engage in something new where are you going to where do you think you're going to go next with this yeah like i said i don't have like a i don't decide on when i'm going to move to a next show no. are you feeling like are you feeling like you're about to move on to something new like you can't really force it yeah i'm not i'm not too sure at the moment i think what i will say is is that the genre the genres I'm really into right now, like the post-punk genre, etc. A year ago, I wouldn't have been able to get into this music. Um, right. I really do think that says a lot. I think I think music can be circumstantial, situational, and your like affiliation or re- relatability to a genre can change over time. Um, mm. It's the reason why I listen to less hip hop now mm. in the last last five months than I have done for the last two years because, for like where I'm at with my headspace, I feel like um this sort of post-punk genre is probably better for better for like satisfying my mood right now yeah yeah um and yeah like tastes change tastes improve over time tastes completely they might even in some people's eyes devolve like if you talk yeah, to someone, degrade, yeah. yeah you might, but even you then, might I, I don't even like characterizing like that because i just don't think yeah. you can even say like some music is objectively better than any other kind of music you know? yeah so like I, get, I don't like people get kind of snobbish and say oh yeah his tastes have gone downhill well no they're just maybe more different but it doesn't mean they're better or worse you know it's just that's just like some yeah. some like imposed normativity i don't think it really has much value um i mean I, yeah on that, note, on that note i think yeah. you are 100 percent right and i i you can tell me if you're the same i don't know if it would be because i feel like your friends have a real eclectic taste in music um, from what i've seen in your podcast but for me definitely i feel like a lot of my friends at university have a very similar sort of like appreciation for like a, a, a same the same sort of genre or like mm. when they hear a different genre of music like the stuff I play out of my speaker in my bedroom I feel like they're not as inclined to warm towards that music as mm. much and I definitely feel like I'm more out of the sticks in that in that sense with yeah I mean listen to yeah I mean I definitely I can see that I mean my, my friend Arjun who's um he'll just be listening to this and he, he's on the music and football pods yeah. and he um he even says, you know, so he chooses generally hip hop albums for his choices on the pod, right? Um, because that's all he's really listened to over the last two years. Like that's his, he's been very narrow in his genre choice. But yeah. he's now becoming, trying to become more open-minded and listen to other things. Like we've gotten him onto kind of more indie albums, more kind of even folk music with some Sufjan. Um, and oh, have you heard his latest EP? No, is it good? Yeah, it's um, his song, My We Rag- listened to Illinois for the podcast, which was good. Illinois, yes, I saw that. I, 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 I listened to that for a little while. Um, <laughs> but um, my favourite of his, and I think a lot of people would say, is Carrie and Lowell, white person. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, so so he's someone who has like quite narrow taste, as you say. Yeah. But but we're trying to get into it, broaden it out, and he's really open to it. So, I mean, it's just a kind of journey. Like, I'd say my tastes were quite narrow for the last year or so before I refound my, my enthusiasm to find stuff. I, yeah. I listened to nearly solely rap um like i was listening to just solely um 2000s not even 90s but just solely just solely jay-z kanye kendrick and like a couple other artists just exhausting their discographies and i guess that wasn't really the right approach for me because i wasn't really finding much fulfillment and then and then i started to try and push myself again to discover new music and it did genuinely improve my mood because i felt like i was you know actually you know finding more more kind of human expression in in like new places um which i guess is kind of what you're saying about being open-minded you know um yeah but yeah i mean so what kind of stuff really recently have really have really caught your attention in terms of stuff that you've been listening to i think um i think what we haven't spoken about enough and is so central to my music listening experience is how pivotal female musicianship has been for me 
Right, okay. Um, Can you explain of... why? Like, so why? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's, 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 there's not much of a why to it. It's just that I have a real, I don't know, a real connection with a lot of female, female artists' music, to be honest with you. Like, okay. Is uh, it about them being female? Like, is it about the, the kind of higher voices that you get typically than you would from a male artist? Like, well, is, it, is it the messages that they have to say? Is it the things that they have to say that really, that really. Well, uh, female voices is, is, is so versatile. Yeah, that's what I'm just, saying. So it's hard to um, generate. But like with the artists I listen to, they are all so versatile comparably to each other. Um, so like you can go from like what we're obviously chatting about with Lana Del Rey, and then I'll be bogged down in a in a I don't know in a Patti Smith horses record, yeah. or I'll be going into the XX and listening to the lead singer in the XX, and then yeah. um, have you listened to a group called Wise Blood? No. I think it's pronounced wise, but it's W-E-Y-E-S. I call it ways, but I think someone told me it's wise. Right, know. okay. I know I'll look into them. What are they? Yeah. What kind of genre are they? Um ooh, I would say haze haze like dream music a bit. Okay. Like, I don't know, like off the top of my head, maybe like maybe like a beach house sort of I love beach house. I think they're brilliant. But yeah, no, so I've been talking about female musicians. So what is it about their music that really kind of um makes you value you know listening to them like why why specifically is it hard to is it really hard to kind of generalize and hard to put into words i i don't feel like i i, I don't feel like it's it's so much as distinguishing between genders as much as it's just appreciating how amazing their their artistry is like right, okay. um to be honest with you um particularly like patty smith like her lyricism is just incredible i mean lauren hill as well we've mentioned oh lauren hill as well lauren hill on what do you prefer miseducation do you do you prefer the fuji's album um oh what's called again it's in my head uh what's fuji's album called the um, blank. Uh, yeah i know i know what you mean godfather um uh the score score yeah right um, no i i think it's probably i think i probably prefer miseducation just because it was kind of groundbreaking. So you have like special songs like Doo Wop, X Factor, that kind of run of entire songs. Actually, if I get the album up now, I can tell you like there's like an insane run of tracks, right? Um, yeah. That just kind of demonstrates. And I think I think like female like rappers in that way are sometimes like, unappreciated. Whether it's whether it's Lauren Hill, whether it's like Queen Latifah, whether it's you know anyone else who who offers like a good contribution. I think because hip hop's very male dominated, because obviously it kind of fits into that kind of masculine trait, like brag being braggadocious and being an almost violence, which which are often like propagated often by men. Um, that I think sometimes female rappers who often have very meaningful things to say are sometimes neglected. I think that's definitely the case, and and for me personally, I I, I genuinely feel like at the moment the most my yeah. favorite British rapper, and I would say lyrically is is the best rapper I've heard in the last couple of years. For British grime rap, well, she's not even a grime rapper really. Yeah, think. it's Little Sims. Okay. Have you listened to much of her music? No. Oh, no. She's great. Well, uh, I actually will because you you um, described her, but I mean Lauren Hill, it, it, like it, the first few tracks are like listen to how good these are. So you have. Lost Ones, followed by X Factor, followed by Two Zion, followed by Do Wop. Like that's an insane run. That's like some some of the best well, runs I've ever encountered in any album. It, it the whole project is just amazing. And like I got into Miseducation for off the back of listening to the Fuji's record, the score. Um, yeah. I just love that that record so much when I listened to it and the blend of like Wyclef Jean like and his like yeah. in his voice like with like Lauren Hill's voice and. And like they, it just works so well on that record. Um, but yeah, like how? So you say you find music through like 
through like playlists and stuff like that yeah or, or just like looking online at like at magazines like rolling stone or other kind of hip-hop maybe more publications and just like look up and say like you know the, what albums are worth listening to what albums are similar to this one so i listened to a lot of indie music and i looked up you know like what is the kind of genesis of this kind of sound and i looked up and there's come beach boys pet sounds is up there and then and then one album i encountered which i obviously knew about before but i hadn't had a chance to listen to was the velvet underground and nico oh brilliant with the with the banana on the front the andy warhol banana on the front yeah, right arguably that the most honestly is <laughs> one of my favorite albums now of all time off listening to that and i actually think that every indie album ever since then is just a derivative of that album like maybe that's yeah. a controversial opinion, but that album is so influential. I think that's a. I think you can fair enough say that, to be honest. Oh no, I, I would. I would definitely agree. My little sister is in love with the Velvet Underground. Like she's like painted yeah. banana. Uh, the other the other week she. I mean, I know that you and your sister are Arctic Monkeys fans as well, right? And they they took a lot of inspiration from the Velvet Underground. Like AM as an album was named because of VU, which is the Velvet Underground album. Like that's literally, yeah. that's literally how Alex Turner came up with that name, right? Um. So I guess I can see the connection. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, because he, he just copied it because the Velvet Underground have an album called VU. Oh, so, right. Okay. Yeah. So um, he just, yeah. Well, I think what's also interesting on that note with Velvet Underground and also with the Beatles is, is how cross-cultural they are with their music. Yeah. Well. Like Eastern it, sounds, it, you know. Like, definitely intertwines with a lot of yeah. their uh when i was listening to them i was like because i again like beatles for instance i knew i know all the you know, the main popular songs but yeah. i got into their albums properly in the last recent year and like i was just so shocked to hear like you know like the sitar yeah i mean ravi shankar yeah we're yeah. best mates with george harrison i mean like you have the album i think their best, my con- i'm quite controversial on this but i think their best album is revolver rather than sergeant pepper oh i would or, agree or, or rubber soul like i think those are actually better than sergeant pepper and I would agree the, with that personally. Yeah, I mean, the use of sitar on, on Revolver, I think, is so good. Um, um, I guess it's kind of like Home to War, so I like Vampire Weekend, because they're an indie band that uses a lot of world music, you know? Yeah, like, there's... I, I haven't listened to that much of them, but there, there was this one album, I think it's their latest album, which they released. Yeah. Uh, Father of the Bride. Yeah. I like that album a lot. Uh, yeah. A, the, the, a really good album is um, Modern Vampires of the City. Right. Is that the great uh, album? <laughs> like, no, uh, it's, no, it's um, it might be actually. I can't even remember. Yeah, it is. It is just yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that's um, that's a really, really good album. But it's it's probably their best album, I'd say. It's better than their self-titled album. And it's better than the Bride album, I think. Right. But yeah, I mean, I just like them. The point was for them is that they 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 use a lot of world sounds, which obviously I, I quite like because I'm obviously a uh, I've got like Eastern heritage and I enjoy the kind of then the use of that kind of cross culture stuff. I think. It's not really a genre that, or it's not really something that you hear often enough. Um, yeah, on that note, kind of fusion. Is that something you would, you know, if if I was going to ask you, what would you like to hear more of? Yeah. Now, would it be more of a cross-cultural sort of sound coming? Yeah, in? definitely. I'd I'd love to hear some kind of cross-cultural, maybe British Asian stuff. I think that would be really nice to hear. Um, li- I, I don't know much about it, so I would have to start from the beginning. But have you listened to much J. Paul? Not much, no. Check out Jay Paul. Um, so, I, to my knowledge, like, well, I love, I love his music, but um, he, there was this project he was making, and it got leaked, and then he re- he leaked it a few, then like a few years later on, he actually just put out the project anyway on Spotify because oh, wow, okay. everywhere. Yeah. Um, what's it called? It's, I think it's got a number name. It's called 
yeah it's called leak 0413 bait one so it's the album's called the project's called and a lot of the songs on that album are really unfinished but that's okay. what makes the album so iconic and like i don't know like J- jay paul in his own right has become sort of like iconic um for his sort of like music because he blends pop music with with ravi shankar like yeah i know and brilliant like ravi shankar and like in a things you track. love to hear yeah i mean like, just i love to listen to the stories of like ravi shankar on the beatles you know just the, the way they used to meet in india and um like how you know the the beatles really embraced that kind of hippie culture it's, it's, it's really good stuff and then that's why i've also kind of got into the velvet underground and other bands from similar time because that kind of almost folk like um higher pitched sounds it's just no i mean almost makes me wish i was born at a different time you know <laughs> Do you have a particular favourite decade in music? Uh, that's really hard because I think 1970s are hard to beat. Yeah, I, w- I uh, would, I could see that argument really. Well. I think in 1970s you have what you have the the Who, Led Zeppelin, The Doors, uh, Fleetwood Mac, Elton John, Early Queen, David Bowie, um, like um, Cream or the finishing of Cream, Eric Clapton self owned own albums. Like, I mean, that's just yeah the 70s is i think or pink obviously pink floyd can't forget them like mm. yeah i would say for me 80s you know you got just we're just alone yeah, 80s, 80s stone yeah. roses you know like Smiths, all of this obviously yeah, yeah stone roses probably are my favorite their band. self-titled album's amazing what stone roses one yeah oh that's yeah don't even bother listening to their second project <laughs> like the first album is like one of the great british records ever yeah um Oh, I can't even say what my favorite song is. It always changes on that album. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, an al- you know, a record's great where you can't actually find a favorite song on it yeah, because it's that good, not because yeah, it's that yeah. shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, 70s is, is really good. But then I also genuinely do like this last decade that's just gone, the teens, the 20 teens, just because I know it's like, it might be I'm looking at it nostalgically because I was around for it, right? Yeah. But but I mean, I really like it. I thought Kanye had three classic albums. M- uh, my Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Jesus, you? and Life of Pablo, which I think is his favorite, my favorite album of his. On that, on that note of Kanye, do you yeah. feel like the this last decade's Kanye is better than the old Kanye? Oh, that's so hard. It's always, it's always the question to okay, ask. Okay, my answer to that is no, but the best album is in the last decade. So I think do the you, College Dropout is his best album. Do you think his best album is College Dropout? College Dropout, yeah. Ooh. But I think, but I think that this album was, but this decade is more consistent. Because I didn't really like graduation as much. I thought that was more of a drop, and 808s was more of a drop than than this album, this decade where you had Dark Fantasy, Jesus, and Life of Pablo. Do you think Jesus is how how would you rank Jesus? Because I, I, I you know I've, I have my own opinions on it. Third, third, really. I think it's impact. I've got weird rankings, Josh. It's impact, <laughs> yeah, but it's impact undeniable. But I would say. I if you listen to Death Grips and their sound, it's a much yeah. more polished industrials version yeah. of Kanye in a much more sort yeah. of like accomplished way of doing it. I feel like the, like Jesus is such a raw record and it's really yeah. gritty and it almost looks like it's, it's you know so it's, I think I would say it's probably the first of Kanye's records to sound quite messy, but almost you accept it for what it yeah, is. Yeah. As well. I uh, mean, I mean for me like my rankings of Kanye are weird. Like I go from College Dropout, Life of Pablo. Jesus, Dark Fantasy, top four. I think eight to eights, right? I don't like it that much because I don't like the autotune that much, but I think that's easily his most influential album. That inf- inter- influenced The Weeknd, Frank Ocean, Drake, all these kind of singing R&B people wouldn't exist in the same way at all without eight to eights. Like, well, I, I think, think it's think, such well, an influential album. I agree. I think that album, 
in my eyes, I think that is the most pivotal album in of the 21st century, personally, because it yeah. changed the direction of yeah. music. Yeah. This also tune became a thing. Yeah. Uh, no, in that entire, it's so I agree. pivotal that album is that. I think in my eyes, I think that's his most important record. Okay. Uh, I think like I mean, there's I think it's up for dispute because in that era between 808 up until arguably Life of Pablo, because he was at his sort of, he was at his peak. He was at the zenith of like his, yeah. of, of his like musical powers. Um, I mean, even up until, Wait, in the old Kanye versus new Kanye, where are you on that? I'm a new Kanye guy because I just think he was just the experimental side of him. Whether you didn't always like his songs when it did pay off, they paid off amazingly. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, also, the fact that he was able to like employ gospel music in such a cool way. I mean, okay, uh, I like Ultralight Beam, but then I hate Jesus is King. I'll just say that. Oh, I don't even talk about Jesus is King, but I um, I think Jesus is King is just such an unfinished record. Yeah, I mean, you can hear it's it's, it's like you can hear it's the production is it was, he even admitted it was partly recorded on a phone, and I mean, you can tell. Do you think but, he's turning off though? Do you think he's getting a bit is get, getting progressively worse? I don't know because he's he's got mental issues. I don't really. I, I mean, I wish him the best of luck. I hope he has his treatment, but um, oh. I think he's in he's in need of some help, uh, and I hope he gets it. Um, no, completely so. But um, I think I think his craziness is part of the reason why his genius yeah. is so yeah. loved. Like, I mean, yeah, I if so. you look at like that's why Beautiful Doctor Stefanski was from the VMAs, where he just interrupted Taylor Swift. Yeah, and like <laughs> he was at his. If you, I've seen a lot of stuff on that actually. If you look at um. The stuff which happened before he released the album, like his interview with Jay Leno, for instance. Mum died as well. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the interview with Jay Leno he has when his mum. Uh, Jay Leno literally says to him, "What do you reckon your mum would have said if yeah. she's done?" And he just goes quiet. And you're like, yeah. I mean, anyone who is a Kanye fan should know, like, and should empathise. Well, yeah, empathise for a situation, or sympathise for a situation. I don't know the way how 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 you would use that sort of time if you can't relate to what's mm. happening. Then at least yeah, yeah, yeah. what he's going. Yeah, just have sympathy for him. You know, has ruined him. Yeah, and like <laughs> Kitsy Ghosts, I think. Oh, brilliant! I love Kitsy yeah. Ghosts. I think it's one of my favorite ever Kanye albums, personally. Yeah, I, I think, I I think it's brilliant. Good. I mean, Kid Cudi's own stuff, I don't think is that good. But then when he combined with Kanye and Kitsy Ghosts, I thought it was amazing. Like oh. hey, that entire run, Daytona for Pusha T, KTSE with um yeah, with Tiana Taylor, Kitsy Ghosts, and then Nasir, they're all quality production. I um, think, um, yeah, I think for me, I think. It's between Daytona and Kitsy Ghost. Are those albums? Um, Daytona's for me. It's, it's Kitsy Ghost, but I can see why people would say Daytona. Like Santeria. Um, Santeria is great, but um, but no, yeah, mate. I think I do hope with his next album, um, Donda. If it does come <laughs> out, we never know if it's going to come I mean, out. I hope it's good because if it's good, if it's named after his mum, right? I hope that he won't let it be an object of ridicule because he loved his mum. So I hope that he'd pull out all the stops for her. You know, like that's my one hope for that album. Yeah, you just don't know with Kanye though. Unbeknownst to us, like you don't know how he's de- like he's making his music. Yeah, I mean it's just yeah. You yeah have even... you heard his latest song though? Released. It's got such a Yeezus sound to it. Yeah, you mean uh, "Wash Us in the Wash Us in the Blood"? Oh, yeah. I love the um, yeah. the Reverend sample. Um, yeah. Song. Oh, I just love it. Yeah, yeah. I like Travis Scott. Like I'm a massive fan of his. Astro World I thought was good. I thought Rodeo is a really really good record actually. I think Astro World is going to be pivotal. Like if in like generations to come, I think we'll realise actually how important that record was. Yeah. Uh, for like the trap scene. Yeah. Uh, but like, at, like genuinely, like, like I mean, I don't even need to say it. Like, all the pop artists of this of this era of this of this. They all decade, owe themselves to 808. 
Yeah, they own um, not even that, but I would say my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is the reason why you you got Bon Iver yeah. on a hip hop <laughs> lost in the world, insane. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that says a lot. And then, but let's not also credit Kanye for that because you can look at Kendrick with reviving artists, putting yeah. George Clinton and people like that yeah. on, his, on his album. Yeah. yeah. You know, like Thundercat became big off 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 from Kendrick, arguably, and like yeah, or like, J Rock, you know, J Rock, top dog rappers, yeah, like yeah. J Rock people, like they all just like got like you know they got that sort of platform through that record and oh i don't know but who who is your who is your favorite rapper if there is what if there is one uh it used to be kendrick now it's probably not because kendrick's bad just because i've been listening to more stuff recently probably either ghostface killer or mf doom what about andre 3000 andre 3000 is amazing his his interlude on frank ocean's blonde is in, in fire mate i think i think what i hate about the if there is a debate about it, I think people are like, oh yeah, Andre 3000 doesn't have a solo record. He doesn't need one though. He appears on people's songs and he smashes it every time. Yeah, but it's not even just that. Like, I do think Big Boy deserves more credit for us. Yeah. But I mean, I think he's done enough. And like, if you're looking at Andre 3000 as an artist as a whole, you can single-handedly say there would not be a Kendrick. There would not be um, a Tyler. Oh, 100%. 100%. There wouldn't be a Tyler the Creator 100%. without an Andre because 100%. if you see. You, do you know how progressive he was? Like the that avant-garde he, sound, you know. But the, the way he dressed as well, like yeah, Andre yeah. performed in like in like in female wear, like he, he yeah. dresses and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And he really, really pushed the boundaries of like what you could wear as a hip hop artist. Yeah, I mean that's why I like Frank Ocean and Tyler. Like they challenge, you know, stereotypes of old-fashioned gritty rappers. Like anyone can kind of be a rapper, you know. And if you like, if you're talented, obviously, you know, if anyone who is talented enough to be a rapper can be one, regardless of kind of other identity you have. I think Frank Ocean and Tyler are really important for that. But yeah. What would you, what about Brockhampton? Where do you lie with them? Oh, I mean, I haven't listened to enough of their stuff. Oh, I really need to. Oh, Brockhampton are amazing. They are the new wave. Um, they are, they are phenomenal. I do, I do worry about how long they will stay together for, because I think I watched an interview with Kevin Abstract and Rick Rubin. Yeah. Seen the beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's by Beats. The yeah. Wrong, but like Rick Rubin's had a 50 minute interview or something like with Kendrick. He's done it with Pharrell and he had one with Kevin Abstract. Like, yeah. Brock Hampton. And he, like, Kevin Abstract says, like, um, he made Brockhampton sort of with the intention for everyone in Brockhampton to leave and a new, like, wave of, like, rappers to yeah. be Brockhampton. But that's happened with, I think, like, people, other, like, no, like, famous groups. Like, I think, like, Velvet Underground, I think, completely, like, Changed their themselves. I think it was Velvet Underground. They completely changed themselves up to the point that no they were one unrecognizable. That was yeah, original from the original like like yeah. <laughs> setup um, lineup. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like it's. I do think like hip hop has become so expansive. I don't think anyone could have foreseen like how many different sort of like sub genres there are to it. Like the mm. the emo rap game. Well, that's is what I said. Yeah. Big, like with Lil Peep and yeah, you know, emo and grunge rap like with Lil Peep and XXX Tentacion like. Uh, or triple x tentacion however you want to call it like uh, yes xxx tentacion i say yeah yeah but like they've just like that's accelerated r.i.p r.i.p yeah Mm. no definitely so but um on i also want to ask you a question on um what is your opinion on being able to separate the artist from the music oh my god that's such a hard question it's such a big it's such a big deal isn't it like particularly with artists who have been you know particularly fallacious with their with their actions yeah. Okay, so so like okay, I think this is a good question to end on actually, because um, we'll be get we're getting quite a long time in, but yeah, this is a good question to end yeah. on, right? No, because we'll be back again. I'm definitely doing this again. We're, right. we're, it's a regular thing, just you and me talking. Yeah. Um, 
but I want to talk about music and films as well for the for the future oh. ones. But yeah, to, to answer your question, um, um, I try and do separate them if I can, just because I really like Caravaggio's paintings, um, yeah. and he is a murderer allegedly. Um, I and you know Woody Allen films, it's the same thing. Like, would you watch his films? Um, I, I think it's I think you can try and separate them. I, I think I think you can. I mean, it's different. It's a different argument to talk about like. Okay, if listening to it will give that person money, like in the R. Kelly situation, I probably wouldn't listen to it in the sense that then you're actually giving someone money who perhaps doesn't deserve to have money if the allegations against R. Kelly are true. But in the situation where you're kind of divorcing yourself from money and by looking at them, um, you're not, you know, you're not remunerating the artist in any way. I think you can make a strong argument that you can separate them out. Um, Where do you stand on this? I, I do, I do get you because I think well the artists up for well a couple artists up for a dispute yeah the MJ like in recent oh well, yeah yeah I mean I don't, I'm not I don't listen to much of his music anyway but I mean yeah I mean he's he's really kind of it's hard to he, he's full of you know kind of um it, it's very scandalous at the moment um, definitely so but also with other artists like you know XO Sexmentation and yeah. like it's what is interesting about him is like since he died he's rocketed like yeah. He, rocketed if you look yeah. at Spotify, like i think three of his songs have got over a billion listens now yeah like you would never have been able to foresee how much of an impact he's had he's already got a legacy off like two projects which arguably aren't even wholly spectacular but they are so impactful i think they they will change the, the sort of the course rap takes now i think grunge and i mean we're saying with little people as well grunge and emo rap are going to become really much more significant but but I do get you as well, like. So know, would you would you like would you not listen to an artist anymore if they'd like commit a crime, a serious well, crime? It's what you brought up an interesting like fact that like if the artist is getting royalties. Yeah, that that makes that makes it more that makes it harder to justify, I think. But then um, I spoke to a friend about this as well, and he we were talking about we were talking about MJ's music, and we were talking about is it worse to play the music. Or is it, is it like in terms of if, if you didn't play the music, then I feel like people who are victims of the, the, the crimes which MJ is allegedly you committed. Know, like committed, they will hopefully not be triggered by some, you know, yeah, who's yeah. like contentious like that. Yeah. But then I guess some people who are really, you know, really adamant, like and real, real supporters of like an artist such as an MJ um they will be like well his music has changed the world and can make you feel happy as well at the same time so there is a real massive debate about it whether you i mean like i don't think there's a right or wrong answer with it but it is a really strict contentious debate which will always go on and on i remember in good i watched uh i think good morning britain last year when they were discussing mj they were also i think bringing up how beethoven or something like that was like he i don't know what he's i don't know i don't know what beethoven, know. he's got some problems, whatever. <laughs> yeah yeah but like, but we still listen to his music and it survived hundreds of years. Like, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with Carvaggio in the sense that he's a painter. Uh, he allegedly murdered people. Um, I mean, I just find it really difficult because I think the royalties issue is relevant to the extent that if you're listening to them on like a streaming platform and they get money for every time you listen, right? And yeah. and therefore you're you're actually paying them essentially. To then I think that's different to if I don't know. Maybe this is just complete rubbish, but maybe I think that's different to if if you've like already bought their album and you bought it before you knew anything about their allegations and then you're listening to it at home in the privacy of your home and you're not then remunerating them any more than you already have done, I think that's different to when you're actually streaming it mm. and you're just adding more revenues. 
Well, I thought this is like definitely a question we can properly look into. Yeah, then in a future pod. I, but, I know other people who would love to talk about yeah. this. Well. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's a good suggestion. But but yeah, Josh, honestly, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed it. We'll make this regular thing. We'll call yeah. it like Sarg Ashu or whatever you want. Uh, I, I'm <laughs> hey. more than up for that, mate. No, and we'll call it, and we'll even, we'll even do what we do with the music pod. We'll listen to like a couple of albums before, agree to, yeah. and then we'll, we'll come and talk about them. Maybe watch a couple of films or just, you know, come and chat about issues that we want to talk about. And I yeah. think really both good. of us, have, we have really good conversations. Um, and yeah, no, I know, I think this is a promising new series. So thanks yeah. again for your time, Josh. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, no, mate. No, honestly, it's been a privilege. Um, <laughs> Last thing, uh, I just want to give a little shout out to uh, please do my, my friend uh, Michael Fernandez. Yeah, he's brilliant. And uh, Shantani Kundu, who released a track today um, uh, on Spotify. Uh, on Spotify, which is amazing. Go check it out. It's called Bow and Arrow Tree. Yeah, um, and it really is really good. So I'll uh, link it. In, yeah. I'll link it in the description. I'll yeah, like definitely do it. Um, and yeah, and I have spoken to Michael, and he said at the end of August when he's more free, he'll be he'll be coming on the pod as well, and we'll have you both on. He can come on, and um, I'm sure it'll be absolute scenes. Yeah. Um, but so. yeah, Josh, thank you so much. All right. um, it was brilliant <laughs> chat, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Take care, See mate. you next time. See you next time. Cheers. The Symposium with Ash Orlack.